Can you all stand with me as we read the word of God? Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Now reading your hearing verses 10 to 13. Genesis chapter 28. Now reading your hearing verses 10 to 13. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, wait on me. Genesis 28. First book of the Bible. Chapter 28, and I'll read in your hearing verses 10 to 13. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And the Bible reads, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and to your descendants." Bow your, heads with, bow your heads with me as we consider for our time together. Hands up. Don't shoot. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for being here with us. And we ask that you give us a special blessing that only you can do. Do it in your way. In your son's name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. Inception. It is a movie written, directed, and produced by Christopher Nolan in 2010. The movie is undoubtedly science fiction. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and John Gordon Levitt before he becomes Robin. DiCaprio plays Dom Cobb, a professional thief who commits corporate espionage by infiltrating the subconscious mind of his targets. But he is caught and he is offered a chance of redemption as payment for a task considered to be impossible. And his task is this inception. That is the implantation of another person's ideas into the subconscious mind of another person. Leonardo and Joseph are criminals trying to take dreams. But they were given redemption when they tried to give a dream. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob is a dream sealer. But in chapter 28, he is redeemed because of a dream he is given to by God. As God implants a dream into Jacob's unconscious mind. In Genesis, Jacob is a wanted man. He is a wanted man on the run. And Esau plans his punishment, and the punishment, Esau says, should be death. Death, not for stealing a birthright, but death for stealing a blessing. The birthright that Esau was given, it was given to him by virtue of him being the oldest son of Isaac. But whoever received the blessing of God through their father, it had nothing to do with what they deserved. By birth, but what God wanted to do according to his own choosing. I told you Jacob is a criminal, 
and he's a criminal on the run. But Jacob, but Esau wants to take his life. Esau is not thinking about where he was coming from when his father was young and vibrant. But now that his father is old, he wants what's coming to him all of a sudden. If I had time to talk about it this morning, I would tell you to please don't neglect your parents when they're young and vibrant. Because there's going to come a time when they're not as young and vibrant anymore. Spend every moment that you can because the time is going to come when they will not be around. When their strength fades and their eyesight dims, they won't be able to run with you and chase you and play all of the games they play with you now. If I had time to talk about it. I would tell you that when you go to college, pick up the phone every now and again and call them and see how they are doing. A text is good, yes, but pick up the phone and call and see how they're doing. Because the day is going to come when you won't be able to hear their voice. The day is going to come when you will regret not having more time. As someone who doesn't have too many memories of their birth parents, I'll tell you, as Shirley Caesar used to sing, don't drive your mama away. It don't have to be Mother's Day. It don't have to be Father's Day. You don't have to just honor them. Pick up the phone, go by their house, and give them your time. Because when they give the blessing away, you're going to be angry and wish you had more time. Esau hates his brother. And the Bible says in Genesis 27, verse 41, that he holds a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing that his father had given him. And Esau says to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, but when they're over, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. Normally, when a person is wronged, we have an emotional reaction to the offense. Um, But, however, when our emotional reaction is out of proportion to the offense, that is a sign of serious boundary and emotional issues. What are you talking about, preacher? Um, When somebody steps on your shoes, new shoes, they suede, and you want to fight them. That's not you. That's somebody you know. You in the club, they don't acknowledge you. And like Aaron Hernandez, you take their life? Something ain't right about that. Somebody don't like your Instagram picture, and you go and cut off your hair. Your reaction is out of proportion to what the offense is, and you don't even know what's going on inside of you. Normally, we want the punishment to fit the crime. We want the penalty to be in proportion to the offense. But we live in a world where nonviolent offenders get years in jail. But if you embezzle money, you get months in jail. We live in a world where a football player will get a year suspension for smoking weed. But you get a two-game suspension for knocking your wife unconscious. As Chris Rock used to say, that ain't right. The punishment should fit the crime. Esau, if he catches Jacob, the rational mind, the common mind would say, the punishment, Esau, should fit the crime. But we live in a world where everybody wants to give justice, 
But nobody wants to give mercy. We're always ready to drop the gauntlet, but we never remember how we slipped, how we tripped, and how we fell. If Jacob would catch, would be caught by Esau, I imagine he would want to shoot. But sometimes it's good to remember how you slipped, how you tripped, and how you fell. Growing up in New York, I often would have to walk to school. Um, and growing up in New York, um, you walk into school, and it's a long walk to school. It was about 30 to 40 minutes. And you're trying to be cool because you don't know who's who watching you. You think everybody watching you. In the winter, you're walking on ice and snow, and um, if you were like me, your pants were sagging and your shoelaces was untied. Trying to be cool. Ain't nobody thinking about you, but you're trying to be cool. You're walking, and you hit this patch of ice, and gravity takes control and pulls your unsuspecting behind down to the ice, and you're laying there on the ice, and the cold of the ice shields the pain on your rear when you hit the surface. But when the pain sets in through the cold, the first thing you're thinking of are my shoes scuffed and did anybody see me? Then you jump up, check your shoes, dust yourself off, look around to see if anybody's checking for you, and you keep on walking with no hitches in your step. Growing up in New York, I learned there's a difference between a slip, a trip, and a fall. You don't want nobody to see you because the embarrassment of your face being on the ice is greater, or so you think, than the pain of your body hitting the ice. A slip um, is when your feet are impeded by something that's usually liquid. And there's too little friction or traction between your shoes and the walking surface. So if your pants are sagging and your shoes are untied, you're liable to slip. But a trip is when your feet are impeded by an object, and your feet collide with the object and causes you to lose your balance. Everybody slips, and everybody trips. But sometimes, when we fall, it's because we make choices. There ain't no liquid, ain't no objects. We make choices, and then, bam, we're flat on our face. We can say, Jacob, you slipped when you tricked your brother into giving you the birthright. Jacob, we can say you tripped when your mother beguiled you and manipulated you. But we have to say you fell when you went out to kill the animal, when you prepared and cooked the animal, when you brought the animal to your father, and then you lied to your father when he gives you a chance to reverse your course. Over the course of Jacob's life, we have to say he slipped, he tripped, and he fell. But if the truth be told, don't look to your neighbor, just keep your eyes straight. Everybody in here have slipped, tripped, and fell. In the Hebrew Bible, there are three words for disobedience. Sin, 
transgression and iniquity. Everybody in here, maybe not y'all, it's just me, we're guilty of sin, transgression, and iniquity. Sin is hatat, which literally means to miss the mark or to fall short of your course. But transgressions is pesha. It's a strong word. It means that there is something inside of you that's not right. There's something inside of you that makes you revolt against the law of God. There's something inside of you that causes you to deviate from the path of righteousness that God has laid out for us. It literally means that there is a premeditated crossing of the law of God. The Bible says everybody is guilty of transgression. But watch the Bible. The Bible also says we're guilty of iniquities or ahwal. It it is the depraved activity uh oh, in which we engage in, it's, it literally means it's the, it's the deeds and the consequences of the deeds that we are consistently guilty of. I don't know about you, but I've done some misdeeds in my life. And I've gotten the consequences of those misdeeds. We're all guilty of sin, transgression, and iniquity. Not you with somebody you know. You planned it. You strategized it. You knew what you were going to do. You had all the details worked out. And when your plan A didn't work, you came up with plan B. When plan B didn't work, you came up with plan C. You liked it, and you went back for more. I wish I had some honest people. Like I say, preacher, I'm guilty of sin, transgression, and iniquity. I'm not talking about you and you and you. I'm talking about me. Esau, before you raise your hands to shoot me, please remember your crimes. If the truth were told, everybody got some stuff out there that Esau can use. So when it is that you see somebody struggling, don't pull out your cell phone to to get that silly vine or the Instagram video because we all slip, we all trip, and we all fall. The Bible says in verse 10 that Jacob leaves Beersheba, and he sets out for Haran. You see, when you're guilty and on the run, remember that the first mercy is that you're on the run. It went over your head. The first mercy is that God brings Jacob out. He leaves Beersheba, and he sets out for another city. The first mercy is in two words. Jacob leaves. Here it is. He escapes. All right, that that ain't that deep for you. You see, you need to praise God not for when you arrive, but for when you escape. Here it is. You escape. When you don't deserve to get out. Some of y'all celebrate when you arrive. When you get to a better situation. But sometimes you have to praise God for when you escape. You get evacuated and you the criminal. Sometimes it's good to celebrate. Not for arriving. But in leaving. Yesterday in Long Beach, a plane set out for Austin, Texas. 
And while the plane was over the ocean, the engine was set on fire. And the pilot had to turn the plane around and fly back to L.A. All of a sudden, everybody got religion. Everybody crying, praying, looking for the preacher. Air marshal can't help you. Stewardesses can't help you. People were crying, praying, crying out to God. And when they thought the plane was going to crash, the pilot lands the plane safety, safely with no bumps and no bruises. One father said, I grabbed my son and I jumped down the inflated ramp and my wife followed me. When he got to the airport, he went on Twitter and he says, we left all of our personal possessions on the plane. Who cares? We're alive. But check it out. What about when you're guilty and you make it out? All right. I'll just talk about myself. You went in the house with another man's girlfriend. She lured you in. You thought she was pretty. She was older than you, but you still went in the house. You crazy enough to go in the house when her boyfriend is in the bathroom, but you don't know it. You go up the stairs into the bedroom. He walks out of the bathroom. He sees you in the room with his girlfriend, and before he can cogitate what's going on, you run past him down the hall, down the stairs, out the house, and down the street. Thank God I escaped. All right, that ain't you. You're walking down the street with a girl on the Sabbath. That's always a girl. Because you stayed home from church, and all of a sudden a mob surrounds you. A mob of boys surrounds you thinking you killed their crazy cousin. And a grown woman is saying, cut his throat and leave him bleeding in the street. And all of a sudden, there's a crack in the crowd. And you rush through the mob and make it to a corner store where they call the cops. You see, it's one thing to escape when you're doing right. But it's another thing altogether to escape when you're doing wrong. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, thank God I got away. That's the wrong neighbor. Turn to the other neighbor and tell them, thank God I made it out. The Bible says Jacob leaves. Verse 11 miraculously says he, he reaches a certain place and he stops for the night because the sun is going down and he takes one of the stones and he puts it under his head and he lies down to sleep. Jacob is a guilty man. He's a guilty man sleeping in a defenseless position. He is alive. Hear me, not just because of the grace of God, but because of the mercy of God. And the blessing that his father gives him is a protective blessing, is a protective covering because of his past. The song says that I, I made it through dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. All right, just count the blessings of God in this verse. The Bible says he reaches the place. He stops. He sees a sunset. Then he sees a stone, he falls asleep, and he has a dream. Let's not take it lightly 
that the brother can fall asleep and have a dream. The fact that you can fall asleep when you're in your sin is because of the mercy of God. When you're running from God, you are tossed and driven. You are restless. But Jacob falls asleep. He falls asleep while Esau is plotting his death. Sometimes you have to thank God for escaping, but sometimes you have to praise God, hear me, not for what you get, but for what you don't get. Let let me make it plain. The Bible says in verse 12 and 13 that he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder resting on earth while its top reaching to heaven. And angels are ascending and descending. And at the top of the ladder, there stands the Lord. And the Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Check it out. I will give you and to your descendants the ground you're sleeping on. All right, the Bible says he has a dream and angels are there. This is a theophany. In the dream, he sees two things. He sees angels and he sees the Lord. In the book of Genesis, when people see angels and the Lord, it's usually not a good thing. Something good ain't going to jump off. But when you look at scripture, whenever human beings encounter God, their first inclination is to run. That's why God has to wait for the brother to fall asleep. Because he's guilty. And if God comes to him while he's awake, Jacob will think God's going to shoot, even with his hands up. But in the dream, he's defenseless. In the dream, he is unguarded. In his dream, his hands are up. Not only can Esau kill him if he finds him, but the angels can take him out too. God has him right where he wants him. He's guilty. He is tired. And he is sleeping. And we have our critical question. What is God going to do when he finds a guilty defenseless sinner. What is God going to do when he finds a guilty, defenseless sinner? A criminal? A deceiver? A schemer in a defenseless position where he can take him out just like that. When he's in a place of surrender or like Michael Brown with his hands up. God's presence is a comforting presence. But God's presence is also a disturbing presence. Whenever God comes to you, you need to understand he's coming with mercy. You need to understand that you escaped and he's coming with mercy. Preacher, how do I know? It's right there in the text. The fact that Jacob is sleeping... The fact that he is dreaming. Hear me. The fact that the brother is breathing means that God is withholding 
judgment. God is protecting him, not just from Esau, but from the demands of the law. Think about it. Jacob sees angels. He sees a ladder and he sees the Lord. I don't know about you, but if I saw that, I would be scared. Human beings are fearful of God's presence, whether asleep or awake. All right, y'all super saved. Um, God, um, he holds the world in his hands. He holds the universe. He put the sun on day shift, the moon on night shift, and neither miss a day of work. He holds the Milky Way, Pluto, Saturn, Venus, and all the, all the planets, all the quasars and nebulae and black holes. He holds it all in the palm of his hands while seated on a throne. But at the same time, he's holding every boy, every girl, every man, every woman in that same hand while at the same time messing with Iraq, Iran, Syria, Lebanon, hearing everybody's prayers, attending to their hearts, their lungs, their circulatory system, their endocrine system, their respiratory system, and every other system, and he does it without blinking. I don't know about you, but I'll be scared of a God like that. They say that God is sovereign. They say that God is sovereign and he does what he wants to do. How he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. As my mama used to say, God is God. I was three years old, I know what that meant, but I knew that God was God and I am not. God is perfect in himself. He is sufficient in himself. He is competent and whole in himself. He does not need me. The mere fact that God is revealing himself to Jacob means something. He's not coming for judgment. He's coming for mercy. And the second mercy is this. Not only did Jacob escape, but Jacob is alive to receive the dream. If God moved his hand of protection from you, you wouldn't slip. You wouldn't trip. You would fall flat on your face. If he turned his gazeful eye towards you, you would disintegrate into dust. If God thought ill toward you, you would be lost. It's only because of his grace and his mercy. I don't know about you, but his mercy holds me. His mercy preserves me. His mercy sustains me. And check it out while I'm on my way to hell. That's reason enough right there to say Thank you. You don't have to be in church. You don't have to be reading your Bible to give God praise. If you think back over your life and think about how he held you while you were doing your dirt, how he kept you when you were out in the streets, how he protected you when the enemy wanted to snuff you out, he withheld judgment when you were in your stuff. And the fact that you're sitting in the house of God means that I can sing that great is your mercy to me. It's your loving kindness to me. It's your tender mercies I see day after day after day. God, when I see you, you are forever faithful to me. You're always providing for me. Great is your mercy to me. Just think about 
what God kept from happening to you. You see, you just know dangers that you know about. You know about dangers that he brought you out, but you don't know about the dangers you didn't see. Thank God for his mercy. He looked beyond your fault. Okay, he looked beyond my thoughts, and he saw my needs. We'll just keep it real. The prodigal son left the father's house. And the record says he went into a far country. The fact that he was able to leave and make it to the far country and go to the strip clubs and go to the bunny ranch and pop some Molly and X and still wake up the next morning is evidence of God's mercy. The fact that he lost his money, he did not get robbed, he did not get killed, he did not get shanked. He was able to go hungry, make it through a famine, get another job while going through hangover one, hangover two, and hangover three. That's reason enough right there to give God praise. And check it out. God allows mercy so we can come to ourselves. Before you even get to the dream, before you even get to the ladder, you have two reasons to give God praise. You escaped, and he blocked some stuff from coming your way, even the stuff you deserved. And you know, don't try to understand and explain or give a rational reason why you escaped or why you made it out. You're not better than those who did not escape. You're not better than those who did not make it out. You're not holier than the people who did get hooked. Sometimes I just have to say, Lord, except for the grace of God, I'm right there. Jacob is guilty. And Jacob is on the run. God finds him. And he finds him with his hands up. He finds him defenseless. He finds him tired. He finds him sleeping. And instead of killing the brother, he gives him a dream and he gives him a ladder. God says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the ground you're sleeping on. God is saying, I am searching for you. I am running for you. And when I find you, I won't shoot you, but I will reach you where you are and give you something you don't deserve. I will give you a dream, and I'll give you a ladder. That's why the Bible says he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement that brought me peace was upon him, and with his stripes, I'm healed. He reconciled me. He forgave me. He rescued me. He had mercy on me. When I deserved to die, I was running away from God. I wasn't thinking about God. I was trying to avoid him because I was guilty. But he followed me. He chased me. He pursued me. He stalked me. He annoyed me. He chained himself to me. 
He handcuffed himself to me. Here it is. I ignored him, and the brother meets me in my dreams. You can't get away from him. He goes through your consciousness into your subconsciousness and your unconsciousness and gives you a dream that you're not expecting, but you better believe it's a dream that you need. It was grace that caught me. It was grace that taught me. And I don't know about you, but it was grace that brought me thus far. If the truth be told, it was me on the tape. I stole it. I deceived it. I should be dead and sleeping in my grave, not because God punishes. I'm just getting the consequences of my actions. My testimony is not that I'm good. My testimony is that I'm not that good. My testimony is I escaped and God kept some stuff from coming my way. And because of that, you need to have your hands out. And you need to have your hands up. Let me explain. Uh, um, you made it out. God kept some stuff from coming at you. And because you're still guilty, if Esau finds you, if the law finds you, what do you think the law is going to do? He would find you defenseless. And he might just kill you. But when God comes to you, when you're guilty, he does not punish you. He could take you out while you're sleeping. He could snuff you out by thinking. But your hands are up saying, God, please don't shoot me. When you're running from your past and you find yourself in a defenseless position, God comes to you not to punish you, but to give you a dream and to give you a ladder. He comes to reach you. And to give you what you don't deserve. I don't know about you, but I need some dreams in my life. I need some ladders in my life. We don't need people to kick us when we're down and push us when we're down and punch us when we're down and definitely not shoot us when we're down. God doesn't want to shoot you, but he wants to take your place. When you're guilty and defenseless, God will give you a dream and he'll give you a ladder. You have to put your hands out. And you have to put your hands up. You put your hands out to receive the dream. And you put your hands up because you're thankful for the ladder. Your hands are out so you can receive. When you think about how you escaped, when you think about how he blocked some stuff, when you think about him reaching you and giving you what you don't deserve, you have to put your hands up and say, God, thank you, because I know I don't deserve it. You have to say thank you, because you know what should come your way. And you raise your hands and surrender, but also in worship. Not because you think he's going to shoot, but to say thank you. You have to learn how to toda God and yada God. To toda God, it means to give God praise for what he's done and for what he has not done. To toda God, you are receiving his gifts, his grace, and his mercy. But when you yada God, you stretch your hands out to him saying thank you. 
for everything you've given me. You raise your hand in confession because you're thankful that he didn't kill you. You're thankful he didn't leave you. You're thankful he didn't turn you in. He did not forget you. But he comes to you and gives you what you don't deserve. You need to have your hands out to receive what he wants to give. And you need to have your hands up saying, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Sometimes you have to put your hands up and say, Lord, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Have mercy, O God, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me, God, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to get in my prayer closet and wave my hand saying, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Please don't take your presence from me. Are you glad you escaped? Are you glad that God kept some things from coming your way? Are you glad that God did not take you out when he had the chance? Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him one thing that God has done for you. Tell him one thing that God has done for you. Do that right now. Tell your neighbor one thing that God has done for you. You know you don't deserve it. When the ocean has swallowed a plane so deep that nations in partnership with a wealth of intelligence, abundance of sophisticated machinery, in an age of technological advancement with a black box sending out a ping, and they still can't find the plane. I need a God who does not depend upon human partnerships, easy visibility, Human power or a black box sending out a signal. When I am buried in my problem, I need a God that can not only reach me where I am, but he can pick me up where I am. I don't know about you. You've been saved your whole life. You've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I was sinking deep in sin, and I was far from the peaceful shore. I was very deeply stained within, and I was sinking to rise no more but I'm glad the master of the sea he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me now safe am I when he found me drowning he didn't push me down when he found me drowning he did not punch me down when he found me drowning he jumped in the water and he pulled me up And he carried me to safety, not because of me, but because of him. And because of that, my hands are up, saying, God, I receive whatever you have for me. My hands are up saying, God, I thank you for every single thing you've given me. I don't know where you find yourself in your life. You've done some stuff. If you had to pass a background check tomorrow, you wouldn't pass. But when God sees you, he knows everything about you. People spread stuff based upon rumors and half information. But God knows everything about you. And he does not hold it against you. He wants to give you a dream. 
and he wants to give you a ladder. If you find yourself like Jacob and you want to receive something from God, I invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. There's something you need to receive from God. There's something you need to receive from Him. I don't know what it is. Anyone who encountered Jacob, they would not know what he needed. But God came to the brother in a dream. Gave him what he needed. When he could have taken him out. Ah, but there's somebody here. You need to lift your hands up. You need to give God thanks for escaping some stuff and for blocking some stuff from coming your way. If that's you, I invite you to come to the front. We're going to pray a special prayer of thanksgiving just for you. There's something that you need to give God thanks for. Something that He blocked. Something you escaped from. When you know you should be at the county jail, you should have a disease, you should be hooked on something, you should have ten kids, but you're here today. You woke up this morning, you didn't put your hat on your head, you didn't put your shoes on your head and your hat on your feet. You knew who you was and where you were. That's God's mercy. That's His grace. Father, we stretch our hands to You. There's no other help we know. Lord, if You would take Your hand for us, Lord, there's nowhere for us to go. Lord, we have our hands out to receive the things we don't deserve. But Lord, we have our hands up in worship saying thank you thank you for blocking some stuff thank you for helping us escape some stuff of our own creation God and you come to us when we're defenseless when we're tired and when we're sleeping Lord we ask that you meet us at the point of our need and fulfill the promise that you gave to Jacob that the ground on which you are lying, the ground that does not belong to you, the ground that you do not deserve, I'm going to give to you and your family. If that's the blessing you need from God, just respond by saying amen. God bless you. God bless you.